Pastor Ed Taylor says pruning is painful, but purposeful. Why would God take me down to nothing? I mean, what, if, what about that? I like that. I wanted that. I thought that was important. And he starts pruning. Why? So that you might bear more fruit. Mark that, church. God is doing a work in your life. Nothing is wasted by God. He uses them all to train us, to chasten us. He's not punishing us. He's not mad at us. He hasn't left us. He hasn't forsaken us. But he's also not wasting anything so that we might, we might be pruned back. We might be pruned back. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Are you down and discouraged today? Stick around for a pick-me-up on today's Abounding Grace. In John chapter 15, Jesus says the Father takes care of him. Now, here's the good news for you and me. As we're abiding in Jesus, the Father is taking good care of us too. When you really take that to heart, you can't help but be encouraged. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor in John chapter 15. The branches represent people. They represent people. And you can look at the branches as believers, those that bear fruit, and unbelievers, those that don't bear fruit. That's one way of looking at it. Unbelievers. Not necessarily two types of believers, or we'll get to that in a second, but believers bearing fruit and unbelievers that don't bear fruit. As my friend Gino Geraci likes to say, there are believers in the church and there are make-believers in the church. And perhaps this is a reference to make-believers, And we take it on face value. If you're a branch that isn't bearing fruit, God's taking you away. And we find that happen many times where make-believers just don't have any lasting strength. They don't have any lasting power. They don't stick around. Like John says, they end up leaving. And when they leave, you realize that they really were never of us. Make-believers, not real believers. Not bearing fruit ever in their lives. And then the the other branch, the other believer is those that bear fruit. You and I, we we are believers in Jesus Christ. If just even bearing the least amount of fruit, let alone the most amount of fruit, fruit speaks of life, speaks of relationship. And remember what the fruit of the Spirit, you don't need to wonder what it is. The Bible tells us what it is. We'll look at it in depth later. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law, Paul writes to the Galatians. And you can see those things are in your life. Why? Because of your abiding relationship with Jesus. Fruit. But notice what he does to the branches that bear fruit. He prunes them. That's another gardening term. He prunes them or he cuts them. He cuts off the dead branches. He cuts off that which isn't bearing fruit. He prunes them. Now, we don't use these words very much. They're kind of stuck in uh, Bible terms. But another word of, to, to reflect pruning is chastening. We saw that earlier today in our communion time. Another word to think of in pruning for the believer is discipline. Discipline. Parents, you can totally relate to this. You're pruning your kids all the time by disciplining them. 
telling them the right way to go. Another word to think of pruning is training. Again, another good parental picture, you're training your kids in the way that they should go. Pruning is not punitive or not a punishment. Because you might be feeling right now, hey, man, I'm, I'm under the pruning shears, and it's painful, and it's difficult, and it's hard. And yet, according to Hebrews, God only chastens or disciplines his kids. Just like you. You don't discipline someone else's kids. At least you do it once, and then you don't get away with it again. You don't want anybody disciplining your kids. You don't want somebody walking up. Well, maybe you do, but you don't want somebody walking up at Safeway looking at your kid, and you stopped acting like a beep, 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 beep. You don't want that. But then some of you are like, somebody's got to tell my kid to stop screaming. I'm not getting him cheerio, you know, whatever, fruit loops or tricks or whatever. But if somebody comes and disciplines your kid, you're not happy about it, I'm sure. You're going to tell them, who are you to discipline my kid? And then they're, who are you? You know, just like, no, you discipline your own kids. That's what God does. God disciplines his own children. And if you're under the pruning shears of God right now, just know that he's doing it so that you might bear more fruit, not less. Any gardener will tell you, any gardener will tell you that you need to go and cut off the dead branches. You know, even as I'm telling Maria, hey, take care of the tree and take care of this, she's like, no way, you take care of it. Look up there, there's that dead branch. You need to go up there and take it down. And our tree, that, that aspen, that little aspen we got off the back of the truck is taller than my house. And so I told her, I'm not going up there. You're crazy. That ain't going to happen. I'm not going on the roof. I'm not going anywhere near that. And then, you know, Marie doesn't mess around. You know what she did? She got this thing, this long stick, this thing. I don't even know how it works. She got this and got up on a ladder and made me feel and look so bad and just cut that thing down, and she took care of it. She goes, take that. I'm like, good job, babe. There's some weeds over there. (laughs) Show me how to do that. (laughs) Don't worry, man. Our marriage is good. Don't worry about it. This is just how it goes in our home. She is good with that kind of stuff. I'm not good with that kind of stuff. Although there's probably a little bit of not wanting to be good at that kind of stuff as well. Um, But God prunes you. And I'm sure if we could interview a tree, no tree is happy about being pruned. But you know, I saw this with my mom, uh, with her rose bushes. She would take at the end of the season and cut those things down to nothing. And then the next year, they'd come back even more. And it just doesn't make sense. Why would God take me down to nothing? I mean, what, if, what about that? I like that. I wanted that. I thought that was important. And he starts pruning. Why? So that you might bear more fruit. Mark that, church. God is doing a work in your life. Nothing is wasted by God. He uses them all to train us, to chasten us. He's not punishing us. He's not mad at us. He hasn't left us. He hasn't forsaken us. But he's also not wasting anything so that we might, we might be pruned back. We might be pruned back. But let me tell you this. Uh, in verse 2, the word prune can also be translated cleanse. Cleanse. You can jot that down just as a reminder. And so pruning isn't intended to be painful, but purifying. Everything's removed from the branch that would tend to divert vital power from it producing fruit. Without the constant pruning away of the saplings, the vine would run out of leaves and would have nothing to bear. And, and over the years, we've been in our home long enough where we've planted certain trees and they just didn't make it, even after all that we did and we had to remove them. It just didn't work. 
because they weren't doing what they were intended to do. Shade, fruit trees. They have fruit, tree, fruit trees because of fruit. And we exist on the planet earth to bear fruit for the kingdom of God, to hallow his name, to honor his name, to bring attention to Jesus Christ and not to ourselves. And God will cut away and he'll cleanse and he'll build you up. Before we leave verse 2, though, and wind down today, let's look at another way of understanding that first part. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. One view, of course, is this is referring to unbelievers make believers. But let's consider that it refers to believers in a season of unfruitfulness, which certainly happens. Seasons of unfruitfulness. The words translated takes away could be translated lifting up or pulling up, or raising up. And so this verse could, could really mean to us that in those weak times, and in those wandering times, and in those times of stumbling and fruitlessness, Jesus is ready to pull you up and get you back up. Jot it down in Proverbs chapter 24, verse 16. For a righteous man may fall seven times, and certainly we have, and rise again. But the wicked shall fall by calamity. And away with the notion, church, that Jesus is against you, just waiting for you to fall and falter so that he can bury you. Not so. He prunes and purges. He cleanses and carries us. And I really like how John Corson summarizes this. Let me read it to you from his commentary. Uh, Here's what he says in his commentary, and I quote, If you put these thoughts together, you get an understanding of what Jesus is really saying, and it's wonderful. It's not terrorizing. It's terrific. It doesn't cause consternation, but rather comfort, for he says, Every branch in me that bears not fruit I lift up, and every branch that bears fruit I cleanse, that it might bring forth more fruit. You see, in vineyards, it's not uncommon for branches to become so heavy with fruit that they sag to the ground, leaving them vulnerable to the mud from the rainy seasons sure to follow. Consequently, the vine dresser, seeing a branch in the mud, lifts it up and braces it. And if there's fruit on it, he washes the mud off, the fruit lovingly, carefully and tenderly. Thus, Jesus paints a picture not of the Lord lopping you off, but of him lifting you up, not of him cutting you, of him cleansing you. And that's encouraging. God's heart is for you and I to do what we've been created to do. And how? How does this work? Well, notice in verse 3, he tells them, his disciples, you're already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. How does Jesus cleanse you and me? How does he encourage us? How does he prune us? What is the tool that he uses? His word. His word. Don't forget the disciples here are a mess. They're full of anxiety and worry. They're full of uncertainty and concern. They're worried about the future. They're confused a little bit on what Jesus is saying and what he means. And he, they're, they're a mess. And one of the concerns that they have is addressed by Jesus here. He says, you guys are already clean. I've given you my word. I've entrusted my word to you. You're clean. And it's the same for you and me. Jot this down in Ephesians, the book of Ephesians chapter 5. Paul the apostle, he commands us as husbands to wash our wives with the water of the word. So much unneeded pain and difficulty in marriages exists today because husbands fail 
to follow through with this simple direction. And we have all, myself included, been guilty of not washing our wives with the water of the word. That includes reading the Bible to them. That includes reading the Bible with them. That includes making sure that we're in fellowship together. That includes when they have questions, answering them with the word. We have a responsibility, men, to wash our wives with the water of the word. To be men that are covering our wives with the truths of of his word. First taking in ourselves, but also sharing and encouraging our wives with the word. And I, I know there's not a man in here that hasn't failed in that area. There's not a man listening in on the radio or watching online right now, watching on television that has not failed in this area. But men, you can repent and you can read the Bible with your wives and you can read the Bible to your wives. It's a model, it's been patterned for us and the model that Jesus gave to us as what? He is the bridegroom, washes us the bride with his word. Now, If you're in a position right now, perhaps you're single, or that illustration is a man to a wife, and you're a man, a single man, or uh, you are a wife with a husband that isn't doing any, any type of the scenarios there where this isn't happening, it doesn't relieve you and me from washing ourselves with the Word of God by taking the Word of God into ourselves and washing our mind, you know, the dirt and the junk of the world. I mean, if you're just watching the news and listening to news radio, you are one messed up person right now. Because all the messed up part of our world, it, has, it touches you. It messes with you. It divides you. It angers you, I'm sure. And uh, you're just listening to it and listening. No matter what side you might be on politically, it's going to mess with your head. And while I do believe we should be involved politically in our nation and pray, and vote according to the leading of the Holy Spirit. I also believe that we're to wash our minds from all the filth and the junk that we have to get involved in and make sure that we're making biblical decisions. We're making sure that our minds are washed because, man, you can't take it with all the things that we, from national disaster, the way that we live. I was just thinking about this this morning, how much the internet and technology has changed the culture of our world in just 15 years. Just 15 years, things have rapidly changed, rapidly, boom, boom. Just like the Bible says in the last days, knowledge is going to increase. That's what's happening before us. And with the way social media is, all the people sharing their opinions, what you, people used to share, you know, around a card table or on rocking chairs on their porch is now on the internet. And unfortunately, we're reading it and we're taking it in. And then we're forming an opinion. And then we're, and before you know it, we're not abiding in the Lord anymore. We're outside of that place of fruitfulness. Again, you need to find the balance for where you are and what God's doing in your life. We need to be engaged in this world, not isolated for sure. I'm not advocating us going to hide in a cave up in the mountains, you know, and make sure we got enough gold, guns, and food for the... I'm not advocating that at all. But I know, I know that the world can have an effect on us. I know that we need to be washed from the filth of the world, let alone the sin sickness of this world. We don't need to get into that. That's a different Bible study altogether. We need to be washed and cleansed. Some of you guys see things at work that just dirty you. Some of you girls see things and hear things at work that defile you. 
Some of you have friends that are really bitter right now. The Bible says bitterness defiles, and we need to wash ourselves with the water of the Word. You're doing that right now, by the way, being under the teaching of God's Word, whether you're here at your church or you're visiting from another church or, again, you're listening from afar, using technology for good, because it can be used for good. We're going to harness it. We're not just going to give technology over to the devil and let him run with it. We're going to run with it too and put the gospel out and and everything that we possibly can. The gospel, right, never changes. But how we deliver it, it's got to change. You know, we're not sending messages on carrier pigeons anymore. It's not happening. But now we're posting a message within minutes. We're live streaming. We got this plugged in and that plugged in and just like, oh, Lord, let let us capture the hearts of people for you. But you're doing that night right now. You're taking in the Word of God. How does more fruit come? It comes by washing of the Word. We haven't turned the Bible at all, so let's turn over to Psalm 119 as we close. How does more fruit come? Not by Jesus condemning you, not beating you down, not by legalism or lawlessness, that we would be ready to receive, ready to respond, that we would take direction, be washed and cleansed by His Word. We need His Word. We need to give forth his word. We need to know his word. And this is a great question in verse 9 of Psalm 119, verse 9. And by the way, if you just need your passion, you need to be revitalized in your passion for the word, Psalm 119 will do it for you. Every single verse is an attribute and an encouragement on God's word. And so he says in verse 9, How can a young man cleanse his way? And I would change that to include how can a young woman cleanse his way. I would change that to include how can an old man cleanse his way. I would change that into, to include how can a not-so-young woman cleanse her way. I won't say it. <laughs> I won't say it. I'm not going to say it. How can a young man cleanse his way? Notice, by taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I've sought you. Let me not wander from your commandments. Verse 11. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes and I will not forget your word. This book in your hand, guys, is alive. And it won't return empty when you open it, when you read it, when you listen to it. It needs to be open and it needs to be used. It needs to become a friend to you. You're being cleansed right now as the word floods your life, as the spirit of God is speaking to you, encouraging you, exhorting you. When you're down and out, when you're dirty and discouraged, the father will come and pick you up and wash you off. He'll start with you in the morning in your devotional life, where the first thing that you turn to is God and His Word, where you actually get up early and you make time for devotions. Now, I'm not going to ask for a raising of hands, but if I did, many hands would be raised. And the question would be, how many of you are not morning people? And being at the second service, I'm sure quite a few of you, not morning people. (laughs) Not morning people. I can relate. But I wonder how much better of a morning person you would be if you turned to the Word of God even before you went to the coffee pot. Because you know, I see it posted all the time. I see these things. Oh, I'm so much better when I get my coffee. Yeah. 
I love my coffee. You got the mug and my coffee and my coffee and my coffee. What if you felt like that with the Word of God? Word of God first, then you can have your coffee. I like coffee. I drink a lot of it. Don't tell anybody, but I'm not much of a morning person myself. If we were to have my way, our first service would be around noon would be good. <laughs> but you know that you know that you miss out on so much when you skip out on cleansing yourself with the word. This isn't some heavy hand to do your devotions. But man, what are you missing out on? What does God have for you in the morning? Whether it's a little devotional book or you're going through the Psalms together or whatever it might be. Could you see some progress in your life if you, yeah. And then lunchtime comes along and instead of gathering around the the kitchen there or where all the people are jibber-jabbing about complaining and whatever else they're doing, instead of going there, you get away and you take your sandwich. You got your sandwich in one hand and you have your Bible in the other. And 15 minutes or so, you're just feeding yourself your body, uh, but you're also feeding your soul in the Word of God. And then you're on your way home and you flip on Christian radio uh, you know, you turn off the sports, you turn off the news, you turn off what you're into, NPR, whatever, and you just say, you know, I'm going to go to a Christian, I, wanna, I want the Word of God to, to saturate me. Or you're out on your walk or on, your tre- on the treadmill or on the elliptical, and you're working out because the Bible says bodily exercise profits a little, and you want to take care of your temple, you want to be used by the Lord, but you also have your headphones on, and instead of getting, you know, all encouraged by the music that you like and your favorite song, you've got your Bible app on, and it's reading the Bible to you, or you've got a pastor on one of your church apps that you really are spoken to, and maybe you're catching up on studies here perhaps, and you're just feeding yourself. Imagine how days can change. When you take the responsibility that Jesus has spoken his word to you already, now cleanse yourself with it. That's what he tells the disciples. Then he says, and we'll get into this next time, abide in me. Why? Because it's not just some command. It's an invitation. Come, enjoy me. We want to take care of you. We want to be in the place where you'll bear the most fruit. Please, guys, don't lever, don't ever, ever, ever let someone take that Bible out of your hand or make fun of you because you love the Word or because you read it or, or because you are, you know, growing in God or you are, all you're talking about are the things of God. Be in a place, make sure you're in a church where the Word of God is taught, where, you, where they, that church bases their beliefs and behaviors on the Word of God. Make sure that's how you're raising your kids. Cleanse your kids with the washing of the water of the word. Teach them to wash their minds of all the things that, you have to, that they have to deal with in their daily life. And remember, as you consider this doctrine of abiding in our future studies, that you are well taken care of by the Lord. My Father takes care of me, Jesus says. And when I abide in him, the Father's taking care of me too. You've been listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We're in the midst of a study in John's Gospel. We hope you're getting a lot out of it. If you'd like to hear it again, go to AboundingGraceRadio.com. We also offer the program by podcast. Look for us wherever you get your podcasts. And another way to listen to Pastor Ed's teachings is through our mobile app. Do a search for Ed Taylor. Thank you for your support of Abounding Grace. It does make a difference. Your donation today will help us present God's Word over the radio tomorrow. We're consistently receiving wonderful reports from listeners all over the world of how God is using the Word to help them grow by God's abounding grace. You're helping to make that possible. 
And when you support this ministry today with a gift of $25 or more, you're invited to request a copy of Pastor Ed's book, Sure and Steady. Now, this was written to encourage those in pastoral ministry. The work of a pastor is not easy, often unpredictable, and full of challenges and discouragements. As you may know, this is Pastor Appreciation Month. So why not order a copy of Sure and Steady and give it to your pastor as a way of showing your appreciation to him? I know they'll be encouraged as they read Sure and Steady. Just call 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. You can also order it online at calvaryco.store. And if you'd like to just make a donation and aren't interested in the resource, go online to AboundingGraceRadio.com. We hope you join us for a service online or in person here at Calvary Church in Aurora. Those service times are Saturday nights at 6 p.m., Sundays at 8.45 and 10.45 in the morning. And we offer a midweek service, too, Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We live stream at calvaryco.church. Well, that's all the time we have for today, but do come back next time when we'll resume Pastor Ed Taylor's study of the Gospel of John on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.